I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime, Crime New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining us this week. We are so happy to have you. Welcome to June. It's beautiful. It's been rainy literally all of June, and I cannot complain. I can. I like the rain. To be fair, we need it. Yes. We are headed towards a summer of probably really nasty drought. So all the rain we can get, that's fine by me. But it was just a very New Englandy couple of days. Like we had those two days where it was pushing 90 degrees. Yep. And then the next day after that, it was, what, 55? 48 up here a little mm-hmm. bit. So that's where I like to sit. 48 to 55 comfortably. Really? Yeah. And the rest mm-hmm. of you weirdos can sit 75 plus. I that's want me. it. I don't <laughs> want it. And of course I say you weirdos. You guys are the ones who are normal. Nobody wants to be in the cold like I do, but my blood is hot. I don't know what to tell you guys. So anyway, it is currently pouring right now. And I'm loving it. My AC was installed for those two hot days. And now I'm just like sitting here like, I don't even need that fucker. It's so cold out. (laughs) It is a very cozy day to be recording. Absolutely it is. 100%. Speaking of cozy things, coffee is one of them. And boy, do we have a list of bias of coffees for you. You guys. (laughs) You people. Strap in. We have just gotten a plethora of bias of coffees. Cody P bought us five coffees and wrote, quote, love the podcast. My mother got me into it. So I have nonstop binged. Had to do five because I saw my mother did four. Ah. Then after Cody purchased us five coffees ever so generously, we got two coffees from Stacy H who wrote, quote, Cody will not beat me. I see your one extra coffee and raise you one. Which made us laugh. I was peeing. Yeah, that that was was so so funny. funny. (laughs) And then we got another coffee from Cody who wrote, fine, I call a truce mother for now. So good. I love that. We also, (laughs) and of course the mother-son loving coffee battle, I was on the floor like it was so funny competitive niceness competitive niceness we love that you guys especially with family i know it's cute oh like thank you guys for ever so generously buying us a coffee yeah even if you were fighting over us yeah never fight over us guys we are here for both of you for all of you we also and this took me a minute i'm not gonna lie to you Mm. we got a coffee from someone and I put it in my notes. I was like, oh, Hugh J bought us a coffee. That's so nice. So nice. And then I went onto our Buy Us a Coffee page yeah. to thank them. Mm. And I fully saw that the full name that they wrote was Hugh Jass. Mm. And it took me a minute. I was like, oh, Hugh J. That's so nice. And I was like, oh, huge ass. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that was my boyfriend, Elijah. I, I confronted him. I said, hey. I know that was you, you goofball. And he swore up and down, no, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't him. And then Katie revealed to me that you can see the emails for the buy as a coffee, in which I realized he put his own email like an idiot. So <laughs> thank you, Elijah. He also, he sent us two coffees. He sent us another one today with a very inappropriate name that we will not share just for the sake of the, the 
children. But it's funny, guys. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So thank you, Elijah. Thank you, Elijah. That was so fun. Uh, that was a good laugh, I will say. Mm. That was funny. It was funny. But I knew immediately. And then we also got a coffee from a lovely lady named Tabitha. Which happens to be Elijah's mom. Thank you so <laughs> much, you guys. The mother-son love. Oh my god, I the didn't bias even of realize. Isn't that crazy? That is so nice. It just clicked for me, too. The yeah. mother-son love for bias of coffee. We have it here. Wow. Thank you so much, Tabitha. I've already thanked her, but she knows. I appreciate you. Elijah was like, um, mom, Liz doesn't even drink coffee. Did you know that? And she literally goes, of course I know that. She says that every time. You're not a real listener. <laughs> You're not like, a true fan. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I like this. I like these people. <laughs> it was great. If you guys are true fans, you probably are sick of hearing me say this. But if you guys are thinking to yourselves, I want to get in on some bias of coffee action. How do I do that? Great well, question. Great question. You guys are always thinking. You go to our website, truecrimene.com. We have a contact page and below that handy dandy submission tool, which you guys can probably quote by now my spiel about. <laughs> you scroll down past that, you will see a little buy us a coffee section and a button that says thank you. And you click it and you can buy us a coffee. Yeah. Myself a coffee and Liz another beverage that is not coffee. Like hot chocolate. I've been obsessed with Dunkin' Donut refreshers lately. Ooh. They're so bad for you. I think I've gotten heartburn from them, which I've <laughs> never had in my life. But God, I'll get one every day, every single day. And you know what? They're like $4. So you buy me a coffee, you buy Katie a coffee. She's covered. I'm covered. There you go. So just keep it in your brain. But as we always say, if we had to choose between buying us a coffee or donating to a charity, whether it be the one we are currently saving up our swears for or one we've done in the past or one of your own volition, we would obviously prefer if you did the donation to the organization because that goes a long, long way. And it's, yes. of course, very important. So... Regardless, we will accept the buy us a coffee money with open arms and be very thankful as we are, of course. And as all of you guys know, if you do buy us a coffee, you do get a shout out on the show unless you wish to remain anonymous, which goes for our cases and for the coffee. Hell yeah. So thank you so much, uh, Stacy, Cody, Elijah, and Tabitha. We appreciate you guys. Thank you guys so much. Speaking of case suggestions, the case we have today was suggested to us by Aubrey J via Instagram DMs. Thanks, girl. Thanks, Aubrey. This was a good one. I had not heard of this. Me neither. And it's pretty recent. It is fairly recent. And I, I like when we do recent ones in the sense that usually because of the technology mm -hmm. available, there's a lot of information and I do enjoy reading like autopsy reports and just getting more knowledge and more of an understanding of what mm -hmm. happened. And this case did not disappoint with that. No security footage either. There's a shit ton of security footage, which is why we always say, if you're going to kill somebody in this day and age, you're going to get caught somehow. Everyone has a ring doorbell. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a camera outside their business. CCTV. Always. Any kind of an establishment most likely has a camera. Yep. So if you guys listening are thinking about committing murder, I would say make sure that the cameras in the location you are at and or disposing the body are turned off or broken. 
I do not condone any kind of messaging regarding murder, crime, committing a crime. We do not here endorse no. giving advice. No. We, <laughs> we don't not, kill anyone. Do not kill anyone ever. That's our our motto here at True Crime New England. If you think that that's a way to get a shout out on this podcast, no. You are sh- poorly wrong. Buy us a coffee or suggest a case like everybody else. Get in line. You're not going to get a special episode. Just because you killed someone. You're not special. You're not You're not special. Just because you're a murderer doesn't make you special, okay? God, guys. Just kidding. But for real, send us your cases. Send us coffees if you want to. We will give you a shout out. We're just really thankful to have everyone caring for us and wanting to extend such a generous offer like that. So we appreciate you. And... Just like Katie said, Aubrey J, stick around for this episode because you give us a case, we'll talk about it. And without further ado, today we will be covering the murder of Michaela Conley. All right, guys, before we get started today, in true True Crime New England fashion, Katie, what are your sources? I have the Press Herald, Boston.com, WABI5, New Center Main Times 2, and Scribed, spelled S-C-R-I-B-D, which is a court document. We have used them before. Yes. And anytime we have a court document, a case law, a fine law, anything to do with a court document, we love. We love it. Truly. I had the Portland Press Herald, Boston.com. I had two articles from MD Islander. I also had two articles from Ellsworth American. And I had an article from New Center Main. Alrighty. Well, let's get into it. Born in 1999 and growing up in and around Bar Harbor, Maine, Michaela Conley was described as being vibrant and bubbly. She came from a very local, very well-loved family, and she attended Mount Desert Island High School. After graduating high school, Michaela started working at a local bakery called Mount Desert Bakery. She supposedly loved to work in this restaurant, in the restaurant industry, and the service industry, really. And she was known to enjoy her job, which she displayed incredible work ethic and enthusiasm. It sounds like she was just all around a really good employee, which can be hard to come by. Also, her stepfather and family owned a restaurant and inn in Bar Harbor called Two Cats. Additionally, Michaela was a very talented artist. She would often draw enticing advertisements on the chalkboard displayed for the bakery, which I've definitely, uh, you know, I used to work at a PetSmart and I would try and write on the board and God, I was terrible at it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a skill. And she was very good at art. So she was often the ones drawing the advertisements. Anyone who knew her said she had enormous potential and that her life was really only just beginning. Because at the time of this incident, she was only 19. Our other player in this terrible, terrible game is a guy named Jalik Keen. He was a local sports star who was a senior at Mount Desert Island High School when Michaela was a freshman at the same school. After graduating in 2015, the football star went to play college football, followed by moving to Serbia and playing for an amateur team there. At the age of 15, however, Jalik was sentenced for a felony charge of burglary. Four years after that, in 2016, he was convicted of three misdemeanor counts of serving alcohol and supplying a place to drink to minors. So just keep that in mind. 
it appeared that Michaela and Jalique knew each other, although prior to this event, it is not, like, super certain how they knew each other. They were friends on Facebook, and that's really all we can 100% confirm at how they knew each other. But I'll be honest, I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook that I have not talked to either in years or ever from high school. So, yeah, and it seems like with it being such a small area that you knew and were pretty friendly with the people that you grew up with. Right. So it seems like they had just grown up alongside each other. They shared a similar circle of friends. Mm -hmm. You know, they went to the same schools and going to the same school in a very small town means something very, very different from like you and I, Liz, who Mm -hmm. our graduating class was what, almost 400 kids? Almost 400, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's very different when you're in a small area and Bar Harbor is very touristy. Yeah. So to live there, especially during the off season, it's pretty quiet. Yes, for sure. The only other thing that we may have about Jalik and Michaela knowing each other is that later, according to Michaela's mom, Danielle Timoney, Jalik had perhaps been friends with her son, Alex, and had been by the house before. It seems like that's fairly corroborated because it does come directly from Michaela's mom, but it's unsure how long that friendship was, if it was all the way back in high school. Again, Jalik was a few years older than Michaela, so it's really not for certain. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind, you know, unfortunately, there really isn't a whole bunch about Michaela, which is who I would really like to focus on for this introduction, but there's just not a lot. At one in the afternoon on June 1st, 2018, Daniel Timoney arrived at the Bar Harbor Police Department to report her 19-year-old daughter, Michaela Conley, missing. According to Danielle, Michaela had left their home in the afternoon to go pick up Jalik from the airport. And apparently, Danielle had been given a phone found on the property of Connors Emerson School, which was near the house. Danielle was disturbed to find out that the phone belonged to her daughter, Michaela, who was by her words, now missing. On the phone, Danielle and the investigators were able to discover a video on her Snapchat that was timestamped at 2.19 that morning. And you might be wondering, what's in the video? Well, Jalik. And where was that video taken? Clearly on the playground of a school. And, as it turns out, Michaela's phone was found on the playground at Connors Emerson School an elementary school nearby. So what were the chances? This is starting to look really weird. Now the investigators are like, okay, so we have a missing girl. Her mom comes in. She has her phone. There's a video. There's a guy on it. And that guy is also very well maybe the last person to see her. So where is this guy? Investigators track down Jalik. And they just want to chat with him. Right. They're like, hey. Why don't you tell us what happened? Because obviously you were with her. We don't know where she is. Right. Maybe you know where she is because clearly you were the last one to see her. Given that there's a video of you on her Snapchat account at 2.19 in the morning. Right. It's a little late. So Jalik was like, okay, guys, don't worry. Let me tell you what happened. But I don't remember much. Mm -hmm. Already starting off with... A red flag. Prefacing it by, I don't remember much. Promising. Jalik said that shortly after 2 a.m. on June 1st, the two of them had sex consensually and then stayed on the playground to talk. 
to talk. You know how just guys to, like to talk after sex? <laughs> just to chit-chat, you know, about life and, and love. And you look at the stars. And oh, so romantic. On a playground of an elementary school. Mm. It's really nice. Yes, that's a great way to get on the sex offender registries to have sex really? on playground. Very, very school. true. Yeah. Anywho, he said that after they were talking... Michaela just got upset. She was being such a woman. <laughs> he didn't actually. You know how girls are. They just get upset sometimes over nothing. Right. That's what, this is literally what this guy is saying. He, he said that she just all of a sudden got upset. Right. He said that they agreed to meet on the shore path by the school. And he went there. He was going to meet her, give her some space, give her some time to cool down. You know, not try to console her or anything, but just give her some space. Some space. Sure, sure. And he said that he was waiting for her on this path, and she never showed up. We've heard stories like this before, where, you know, somebody's murdered or goes missing. They go to talk to the last person who saw them, and they're like, I don't know, we did this, this, and this. I told them to meet me here, and then they didn't see him again. Mm -hmm. And almost always, those people are the perpetrator. What are the odds that you are standing there near the area that you were, Mm -hmm. You're going to meet with her. Yeah. And she doesn't show up. Yeah. What are the odds that somebody else is doing something nefarious to her while you're there? There's no way. Precisely. He again told police that he can't remember much from that night, but he did say that he hadn't seen her since they were supposed to meet on the path. Mm-hmm. Jalik also told police that he had gotten into a physical fight with Michaela and even showed them scratches on his back that he said were from her. Mm. Which he's already making it out to seem like i don't know she just got really upset and we got into a fight and she attacked Mm. me and scratched my back Mm. and she walked away and we were going to meet up later on the shore path and she never showed up yeah like he's painting it out to be like oh she got really upset for no reason attacked me was hysterical and then never showed up so it's not my issue right so jaleek was interviewed on june 2nd now this was roughly a day after Michaela's mom came to report her missing. So, you know, they interview him. He tells them all the beautiful, really believable stuff that you just said, Katie. And then they let him go. And they say, okay, we'll keep in contact with you. You know, like, this isn't over. And then they're like, la, la, la. They leave. They're on their way. When they find out that a body has been found. Now it's June 2nd. It's roughly noontime. State police tracking dogs were out and about searching for Michaela. And they were alerted to something in a wooded area near the Connors Emerson Elementary School. Huh. Under a pile of vegetation, they found Michaela's body. It was also noted that she had been covered with sticks in a black nylon bag. Upon simple investigation of the area, it was clear that the body had been dragged to that location and dumped. Within the next day, Jalik was arrested for Michaela's murder. Autopsy revealed that Michaela died from blunt force trauma to her head, as well as strangulation. Jalik's DNA was found underneath her fingernails, as well as inside her body. Yeah. But, I mean, we already knew that based on what Jalik said. Right. They had sex, quote-unquote, consensually. Right. And then, quote-unquote, they had a physical fight, and she attacked him. Right. And scratched his back. Right. So it's not a little convenient. So, so far, that checks out with Mm -hmm. this story. Okay. Evidence also showed defensive wounds where Michaela tried to fight Jalik off and that her death was, quote, prolonged because she would not give up and she tried her best to fight. That is so sad. Mm -hmm. 
poor thing. Like the strangulation and the beating went on for a long time because of how hard she was fighting. Right. There were multiple abrasions and bruises on Michaela's torso, arms, and legs, and there were wounds consistent from being dragged and beaten. There was also evidence of anal penetration. So they find her body. She's covered in bruises. She has lacerations. Some of it lines up with Jalik's story, and then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, sure, there's scratch marks, and there's, you guys had sex, great, whatever. But now oh, she's she's dead. And, like, here's all this information telling us that she was attacked. So this is really bizarre, Jalik. So then, very quickly, thanks to investigation, the timeline of the day kind of played out, and what happened, ultimately was discovered. So on May 31st, 2018, as we said before, Jalik returned to America after playing American football in Serbia. His flight arrived at Boston's Logan Airport, along with two of his friends. We have no idea why, but Michaela went to pick them up. She drove them back. And somehow or another, you know, from Michaela's house, her and Jalik left together. It was late evening now. Security camera footage and financial record shows Michaela and Jalik at a New Hampshire liquor store on the I-95. Here, Jalik had purchased a bottle of Jose Cuervo. And just again of note, Michaela is only 19 at this point, but Jalik is 21. Later, more security footage from a Circle K gas station in Holden appeared to depict Michaela and Jalik going inside and using the bathroom. Okay. At some point, Michaela and Jalik made their way from this gas station to Connors Emerson School in Bar Harbor, which we talked about, where her phone was found, where she was found very close to. And this is all confirmed by security footage. At this point, it's just after 2 a.m., so now it's June 1st of 2018. We know specifically, sometimes security camera footage can be fuzzy and can be unclear, we know that Jalik was in these videos because of the tattoo on his arm. I believe they said it was something like a like a band around his arm, something distinct where they're like, okay, this is Jalik, and here he is again, and here he is again, and here he is again. He was also noted in this specific security footage at the playground as holding a paper bag and a can. We can assume that's probably alcohol, which is not a crime, whatever. I mean, if it was open, then maybe a little, but whatever. Then, this is where friends of Michaela kind of recall that there was more than one Snapchat video that she posted to our Snapchat account. And we've talked about this before, and we've had a similar case recently where Snapchat videos were posted. Snapchat videos are only around for 24 hours, Unless they're like saved to the camera roll or, you know, you can screenshot or whatever. So her friends recall that that morning at roughly 2 a.m., there were videos posted to our account that showed Jalik on the playground of the elementary school. That's incriminating. And plus, we already knew that from the police station where they found those videos. Mm -hmm. These videos were posted around 2.20 a.m. and 2.23 a.m. Roughly an hour later, an infrared camera near the school simply showed a person sitting down on a bench. The investigators believe it was Michaela, just based on the jacket that she had been last seen in in the security footage. In the infrared video, another person comes into frame, walks towards Michaela. They believe this is Jalik. And then suddenly in the video, Michaela stands up and pushes Jalik backwards 
It is very obvious that she's angry, as could be told by her body language, but she clearly is upset. She pushes him. The next piece of footage is Jalik leaning over Michaela, who's suddenly now on the ground. Maybe he fought back. Mm -hmm. Not four minutes later, the footage shows Jalik actually picking up Michaela and carrying her towards the playground they had been on earlier. Some sources say that she was clearly alive in this video because she was kicking and, like, angrily moving her legs, like, as if she were to be saying, put me down, put me down. And now, from a different angle, a person is seen walking down the ramp leading to Eden Street, which was next to the elementary school, and now it's like 3.45 a.m. So, at this point, this video corresponds with the video I just mentioned where he's carrying Michaela. That was about 10 minutes before 3.45 a.m. He was picking, so he that puts him at like 3.30 as she's picking, they're fighting. At, like, where she was sitting on a bench, he picks her up, she's saying, put me down, whatever. Investigators do believe that this was Jalik, just mostly based on the tattoo that they were using before. Roughly six minutes after Jalik is seen walking down the aforementioned ramp, he is then seen entering the playground again. And I know, guys, this is a lot of videos. What's weird is that the next known video occurs over three hours later, at 7.05 a.m., and it's the most disturbing video of them all. This video shows Jalik dragging the clearly dead body of Michaela. She is described as having her jacket above her chest and over her shoulders. Lastly, another snippet of security footage shows Jalik at a water spigot washing his body, and that is at 7.32 a.m. I think one of the most disturbing parts about the footage of him dragging her body, her body was described as being limp. Yeah. She was very much not moving, very much not fighting against him, which is a stark contrast from the first video they have of him carrying her. Right. So we know that she is capable of fighting. Mm-hmm. And he is dragging her by her wrists Ugh. to a wooded area, which would be consistent with, one, where her body was found. Right. Two, the drag marks leading to where her body was found. Absolutely. And three, if it's clearly Michaela, her limp, lifeless body being dragged to that area yeah. by Jalik, Wow, I wonder who could have committed the murder. Huh. Although I will point out, it is very interesting that there is a three-hour gap yeah. in footage. What happened? Where was Jalik? What was he doing with Michaela? And why does it all of a sudden pick back up at that time? It is very bizarre, very suspicious, but I don't think it makes it any less incriminating for Jalik. Oh, absolutely. He very obviously had a hand in the death of Michaela. For sure. And I would also argue that him saying, yeah, we had consensual sex, mm -hmm. I would really argue that that was not the case at all whatsoever. I would agree with you. Especially if she is upset with him. She's not going to automatically just like, okay, yeah, sorry I shoved you. Sorry we had a little fight. Let's go have sex on the playground of an elementary school. Right. And like you said, Kitty, there was evidence of anal penetration on that autopsy. I'm almost wondering if that was done post-mortem. I don't know if they had that information or if they could tell, but that is very interesting because it does sound like that maybe this wasn't consensual, mm -hmm. which wouldn't be surprising considering this man clearly killed a girl. After he was arrested, Jalik reported having a recurring dream where he would go back to the playground and find Michaela's body. Hmm. He said he would start CPR on her, get blood all over himself, all over his face. 
And a clinical psychotherapist said that this, quote, recurring dream may actually very well be Jalik's way of recalling the events that truly happened, but that he's repressing. Right. Only, of course, he did not do CPR on her after she passed. Right. Because, hello, there would be broken ribs. There would be a lot of physical evidence on the autopsy of an attempted CPR. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So that part is just genuinely him dreaming. Maybe some guilt, perhaps, that he did take her life and didn't try to save it. Right. But, yeah, that's that sounds like a little bit of an admission to guilt yeah. to me. Now, my question to you, Katie, is that do you believe, if he was having this dream, do you believe that he's actually having that dream and doesn't know that he did it? Or do you think that's his way of confessing to the crime? Because to me, when a psychologist says, oh, he's repressing, that's how it's coming forward, I don't think he's trying to make it seem... I don't think that he's having a dream. I think he's just, he did it and he's presenting it that way. Oh, absolutely. Because he had a whole way that he presented what had happened that night to the police. Right. Because he knew that they would find evidence of a sexual encounter. Right. He knew that there would be his DNA under her fingernails. Right. Right. So he is making up this whole story to try and prove what had happened to make himself less guilty. Right. So this whole dream thing is bullshit, in my personal opinion. I know. I'm with you on that completely. It's just, it's ridiculous. Dr. Joffrey Thorpe testified in court that Jalik suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder due to childhood trauma and that he was beaten by his birth father as well as abused by one of his foster moms. Hmm. He had bounced around to a couple different foster homes before being adopted by a family in Bar Harbor, Mm -hmm. and they also adopted his younger brother, which I think is really nice. That is really nice. So, yes, childhood trauma, absolutely PTSD from having a rough childhood, of course. Of course. So, I was kind of thinking maybe with the PTSD, I know that sometimes people black out. Sure. Doesn't seem that way to me. No. I think he has enough of a recollection about the events of that night to not have had a blackout. 100%. I do feel for him. I do. But I'm sorry. PTSD, childhood trauma, Mm -hmm. being beaten, being abused. Okay, that's awful. That sucks. Right. No one should have to go through that, especially as a kid. Of course. Does that equal growing up and murdering someone and raping someone? No. No. Not an excuse. Sorry. Definitely not an excuse. Sorry, I worked in a pediatric psych hospital and there were tons of kids who were there for these issues. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Nope. In May of 2019, almost exactly one year after murdering Michaela, Jalik's trial began. He was being indicted on charges of murder and gross sexual assault, and he, of course, pled not guilty. Jalik's defense team acknowledged the fact that there had been extensive... We're talking extensive surveillance footage showing Jalik and Michaela together. And, you know, the whole thing where it was exactly where her dead body was found and he was seen dragging her and all that. Right. Right. That is true. His defense team said they that is very true. But there was roughly three and a half to four hours of footage where Jalik wasn't seen. And therefore, he cannot be accounted for in that area. And to be fair, that is a good argument. The defense claimed that a construction worker near the school had noticed someone in the bushes around 7.45 a.m. on the morning that Michaela was disposed of in that little wooded area. But he couldn't identify it for certain as Jalik. 
Notably, Michaela's mother, Danielle, did testify that Jalik was at her house around that time, picking up the bags that he had left behind the day before. Okay, does that mean she accurately remembered the exact time that he was there? Not necessarily. And does that mean just because the construction worker couldn't identify it as Jalik, does that mean it wasn't Jalik? Not necessarily. It certainly still could have been. And something even to back up Jalik's claim and his defense team's claim again is that Interestingly enough, it was confirmed that he connected to the Conley household Wi-Fi at 7.44 a.m. Does that mean, though, he didn't kill her and dispose of her body when we saw it on the camera footage? It certainly could be possible. She was in, she lived near that elementary school, very close. They could walk there comfortably. So would it be out of the question that, you know, 40 minutes after he's seen disposing her body, he's back at her house. I think that's pretty possible. Right. And what are the odds of, I mean, we have him on video surveillance footage, dragging her limp, lifeless body by the wrists Mm -hmm. to the wooded area. Right. Where she's found. Right. What do you, what are they saying? That someone killed her and he was in cahoots with some, or it was a stranger and he just dragged the body himself, but he didn't kill her. This is crazy. To me, it's very obvious that he killed her. I don't, I think to anyone. Right. And we don't need to have blatant surveillance footage of him murdering her to prove that. Like, let's look at the facts of the rest of the night. Let's look at the copious amounts of surveillance footage that we have of him. Right. One, dragging her body, kicking and screaming and fighting. Right. Two, dragging her then lifeless body by the wrists. Yeah. To the wooded area where her body was found. Right. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Maine Assistant Attorney General John Asloff stated that in the surveillance footage, Jalik could be seen washing himself off with the water fountain on school property, like you said. He stated, quote, you see him go to the spigot, he washes his arms, he washes his legs, his shoes, his face. The fact that he's hiding her body, he's washing himself, he knows what he's done, and he doesn't want to be caught. Right. We don't have video showing him murdering Michaela Conley. We do have activities on video consistent with him murdering her. Right. Thank you. I think that's hits the nail on the head. For Good sure. Lord. And I, you're right. Why would he be washing off the water spigot? What is he washing off? Dirt? Blood? Blood, probably. Mm-hmm. And again, more dirt because she was covered mm-hmm. partially with vegetation, mm-hmm. sticks, brush that he himself probably covered her up with. I mean, if he's dragging her to the woods, are you saying somebody else is coming along and then covering up her body? Right. Or someone comes across her still alive body and then kills her? And co- like, right. come on. What are the chances of that? Jeez. Yeah, it's not adding up. No. Prosecution referred to Jalik as a narcissist and a potential psychopath for killing a woman he himself described throughout the investigation as his best friend. Which, I never got that sense that they were best friends, like, at all. I mean, I guess they must have been close. Like, I feel like you have to be a certain degree of closeness to someone to drive from Bar Harbor, Maine, to Boston, Logan Airport. Yeah. I mean, to the airport in general. Yeah. That sucks. I wouldn't do that for just anybody. Yeah, it's awful. Ugh. I hate going to that airport. Yeah. So I feel like for her to have done that for him, they would have to be at least close. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
At the end of the week-long trial, a jury made up of nine women and three men, which I thought was interesting, delivered a guilty verdict of both the murder and the rape of Michaela Conley. He was sentenced to 58 years in prison for her murder and 30 years for her rape. During his sentencing, about 50 of Jalik's friends and family gathered in the courtroom wearing black shirts that said, quote, we all love you. I think that's, I think it's beautiful, kind yeah. of, that they're showing up for him in court mm -hmm. because they're acknowledging, okay, yes, you did this. Yeah. We're not saying you didn't do it. We're not saying you're not guilty. We know that you did this and you're going to prison for the rest of your life. Right. But we still love you. Yeah. We love you. We know that you did this. We're acknowledging that you did this. Mm -hmm. We love you. That's a nice gesture for him. Mm -hmm. You know, it just sucks because he killed an innocent girl for literally no 19 reason. 19 years old. She is beautiful, she too. Is. Oh, it's always the same picture that pops up for mm -hmm. her. And she's just so cute. And she had so much potential, too. And he ruined it. 19 years old. Like, that fucking sucks. Yeah, he's pathetic. Truly. Barbara Keene, Jalik's adoptive mother, said that Michaela's death was a tragedy, quote, amplified by the fact that it came at the hands of a close friend she had trusted. Mm, that is very true. She also added that the crime, quote, is not the sum total of who he is. Okay, it's a pretty good chunk of it, though. I say that is a defining moment in someone's life, sure. maybe not leading up to that. He was an incredibly gifted athlete, football player. Mm -hmm. He had a rough life. He does have a criminal history. Yeah. You know, he was doing his best. Yeah. And then he did this horrible thing to someone that he said was his best friend. Right. I don't know about you, Katie, but I would not murder my best friend. No. Oh, my God. I would not purchase alcohol <laughs> for my underage best friend. Right. Take my underage best friend to a playground on an elementary school. At two in the morning. Right. I would not rape my best friend oh yeah i would not physically pick up my best friend against their will and right. drag them somewhere right and of course i would not murder my best friend and drag their lifeless body by the fucking wrists into the woods and then conceal it and then tell police that oh yeah we got into a fight yeah and just to let you know you know they did scratch me and this is what the scratches are right. i was attacked i'm the victim oh boy the sex was consensual boohoo i'm having a recurring dream right no take that dream and shove it so far <laughs> oh it's ridiculous guys we want to know what you think about this case do you think in that time frame where there was no video do you think that could necessarily acquit jalik of this crime do you believe his side of the story? Do you agree with the prosecution? Definitely let us know. It's a very bizarre and brutal story mm -hmm. with so much footage available that it's almost like kind of obvious. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at True Crime Any. All lowercase. Or you can send us an email with your thoughts on this case or other cases we've covered at truecrimeny at gmail.com. We also have a website, truecrimeny.com. You could use our handy dandy submission tool under the contact page. You can send us your thoughts on this case, other cases we have covered. Give us suggestions for cases based in New England, please. You can please. leave your name if you so choose. You could also be anonymous. If you do leave your name and we get to know who you are and we decide to cover the case that you suggested, we will give you a little shout out at the top of the episode, just like we did here. Thank you again, Aubrey J, for your suggestion. This was a very compelling case. And I definitely, we always ask you guys for your thoughts, but this case especially, just to hear 
what you guys think, especially if you're from the area. It's a weird dynamic, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.